Welcome to Honey Do You, the podcast. All right. So last episode, I gave you guys a little bit of an intro, letting you know the next episodes we would have would be a four-part series on what I think is my favorite book, The Four Agreements. And today I have two of my closest friends here to chat with me about the first agreement. You guys remember my homegirl, Mandy, who you, listen, the feedback you guys gave about her was phenomenal. And I'm so happy that you guys love her as much as I do. And then I have my soul sister, lifetime, literally feels like a lifetime friend, Patricia, who is a fellow educator and has known me in my many, in all of my worst phases of life, (laughs) knows all of the stories that I would prefer not to repeat. Um, And so she is here to talk with us about the first agreement, be impeccable with your word. So welcome, welcome, ladies. Thank you. (laughs) All right. The first agreement, if you are not familiar with the book, the first agreement is one that the author really says is probably the most important agreement out of all of them. And I'm going to give you guys a quick, just a brief read about what the overall view of that agreement is. So it says, speak with integrity, say only what you mean, avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others, use the power of your word and the direction of truth and love. And again, the author says that this is the most important one to honor and also the most difficult. Do you guys agree with that statement? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Give me some, give me some feedback. Why do you think this is like the hardest one to follow as far as not just the way that we talk about ourselves, but to other people? Because it's not just the verbal conversation that you're having is the internal dialogue. So you might have a thought or what you're saying, or maybe you're playing to your audience. There's just so much uh, reaction to it that mindfulness doesn't have to be involved to say stupid things. I like that you said that. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. I'm sorry, Patricia. I'm going to say for me, it's so much easier to tell other people, you look so nice or you're doing such a great job. But when it comes to yourself and being impeccable to yourself, you know, it's not the case. You tell yourself, I don't look good in this, or I'm not doing a good job, but it's so much easier for you to tell other people all these kind and nice things and be impeccable where you should be doing that to yourself as well. So completely. Like, I, so I want to go to that. I was going to say really quick, that whole thing with, um, Lindsay, we talked about it before. It's where it's emotion and logic, right? Logic is a elephant rider. Emotions, the elephant. And logic thinks is controlling the elephant, but the elephant sees the mouse is going to take off, right? right? So when you emotionally speak, so many times I've said things out of frustration or anger, or maybe I'm really in love at the moment, right? So it's so emotionally reactionary, that mindfulness thing, right? All right. And I like that you said that, because what I was thinking was that we could break it down into two parts. And the first part would be that first thought of how we speak to about and to others. And then the second part would be how we speak to ourselves and thinking about how we speak to others. So I was on the phone with my aunt last night, really briefly. And we, we only talked for like one or two minutes and I said something. And then after I said it, I sat up for 10 minutes thinking, should I have said that? You know what I mean? Like even in those, those quick moments, how often have you guys said something in a conversation at work or in passing? And then you berated yourself, even if it was something so small, it could have been just like a joke, but you think to yourself, how do they take that? Right. Do they think I'm dumb? Was that the right thing to say? How often have you said that? And that thought of what you said sits in your brain for days and hours and you're thinking about it so much and the people might have just let it go and moved on, but it just sits there and holds space for hours. Oh yeah. Replays, they live in my head. Rent free <laughs> most of the time. 
Yes. And Lindsay, you know, I'm the creator of chaos in my own brain. I will call <laughs> you and say, I said this and I'm pretty sure they're upset with me. And she's like, what if they're not even thinking about that right now? What if they're moving on with their life and you're allowing, you know, yourself to get all upset over something that's not even a situation that you're making into a situation? I do it all the time, all I the think time. And the three of us are controllers. Let's just call, like we're nurturers, we're controllers. Let's just say like we like to control things. Perfectionists mm -hmm. might also be another term <laughs> that could coin us there. Mm -hmm. So we like to, and I hate this word, but we like to manipulate situations and conversations to play out in our favor so yes. if we say something we already anticipate what that reaction should be well, crap i didn't get that reaction maybe i didn't deliver it right maybe i shouldn't have said it this but i should have said this thing right so it's like we're constantly um articulating and 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 building what we want to say so sometimes we're so mindful that it's almost in our own like you said patricia that chaos that coordinated chaos yes that and we i remember on our own. i remember reading an article a while back and it was saying Sometimes you respond um, in preparation for what you believe the person is going to say or think about you. And I think that is something that I've had to deal with in my own life. I've always tried to combat what I think people are going to say before they say it. And in preparation for that thought, I've tried to make sure that what I say is perfection, like you said, being that perfectionist. And that's something that I've had to overcome over time and just really be authentic in the choice of wording and not have to not curate my language so much do you guys have that same issue where you're trying to think ahead of what somebody else says or believes about you i'm constantly playing a game of chess i gotta stay seven moves ahead whether it's my personal life professional life even in the gym right trying to um, mitigate situations and if i work out here or i wear this i mean everything from what you wear right it's a constant mm -hmm. um I'm in control of all these things and what I do is going to have later actions of me, not just those conversations. Uh, for example, uh, Lindsay, I've said this a few million times. I will avoid eye contact with men all the time. Mm. Why? Why do I avoid con eye contact with men? Somebody tell me. Is it that you don't want them to assume that you're looking at them out of attraction or that you're interested? It in invites conversation, mm -hmm. right? So I want to avoid conversation. If you're having a bad day, I'm going to avoid everybody because I don't want to invite conversation and say the stuff that I'm thinking out loud, <laughs> right? So it's it's that kind of thing. But nonetheless, just like the, the book kind of reiterates, whether you're saying it or thinking it, it's still, it's still happening, right? It's still going to have some things. There's going to be consequences and actions from that. But um, definitely, I, oh, I'm constantly, I'm constantly <laughs> doing it on every platform. It's, it's a, it's a daily struggle. Patricia, are you, a, are you a, thinker a header are you constantly uh, yes I have had whole conversations with myself practicing a scene okay so I'm going to walk up to this person I'm going to say this they're probably going to say that so therefore I'm going to say this sometimes they don't say what I think they're going to say so then I'm kind of stuck I have practiced scenes in my head thousands of times for different situations whereas I should just be natural and go and have the conversation no I have to predict what they're going to say and then what am I going to say if they say this Versus what if they said that? Then I got to say this instead of just being fluid and natural in a conversation. So how often are you right or how often are you correct versus incorrect about how that conversation goes overall? Like, do you find yourself being way left field and overthinking something that ends up being really simple? Yes, most of the time. And that's just my brain. I overthink everything. I complicate everything. Whereas just be in the moment. Don't overthink every single thing you do. And it won't be overcomplicated. And I have a hard time with that. Yeah. 
So really the up. other part of this is gossip, right? Gossip is a, listen, I know, <clears throat> I know. How often do you find yourself in that scenario? Now, sometimes I feel like what I may consider gossip is not, right? So my rule of thumb is I try not to have conversations about folks that I would not have in front of them, right? And if I do have a conversation about someone, it is not with negative connotations or statements. There's nothing negative. It's fact over feelings every single time. Um, and we're all guilty, right? That's a, that's a Libra in me. And we're all guilty For of sure. gossip, right? But I really want this is, and this is something I think I learned from the book, right? Being impeccable with words is I really wanted to be honest in all settings. And I never wanted to have to go back and apologize to somebody for what I've said or how I, what I've said out loud to somebody else. Like I really, that's really, really important to me. And I think I had this feeling in Hawaii with Mandy before we even read the book. It was, if I felt like there was an issue with somebody, I'm, a, I'm asking you up front. I'm not asking anybody else about it. I'm going to go to you um, and ask you up front to deal with it head on. So there's no lingering thoughts or emotions or feelings. So do you guys feel like you're gossipers and how do you feel that gossiping impacts your relationships well i'll i'll go ahead Sammy. go go well, for it Patricia. well i'll say i'm not so much a gossiper but i allow gossiping around me and therefore i'm a part of the problem right instead mm -hmm. of saying hey you know what walking away or saying hey you know what i don't want to be a part of this conversation i'll just listen or maybe engage a little bit and that's part of the problem too right we shouldn't engage in it because it's just as bad as doing the gossiping right mm -hmm. so my problem is i don't walk away from it i don't stop it i just listen mm. so i'm 100 percent a gossiper <laughs> one thousand trillion percent mm -hmm. and i think it's in our human nature because we love conflict look at the television shows that are most popular they have conflict and drama so like we find this as a source of entertainment uh for so many different books right you got to have the friends to lovers to enemies to lovers mm -hmm. so that that and i know it, it just teeters on the line of gossip because gossip is usually the water that that grows that seed right it's going to be the conversations that go around it now to that to that point though if i hear someone say something about me i'm not going to just like go to somebody else and say oh someone so said this i will go straight to the root of that and be like hey did i do something what's showing up for you and i try to have like a safe space because i know i could come across abrasive to people so i try to so like if it's gossip about me, I try to nip it in the bud. Like let right. me let me fix it. If I broke something, let me fix it. Now can you please so and so said this about me? Right? <laughs> I don't pass it on further. Um, and I work in a realm, and I think all of us ha are in a realm where politics is everything, right? Your mm -hmm. name is something, and uh, and it comes back around. And whether whatever circles that it is, if it's in the military affiliation, if the teaching affiliation. I work in parks and recs and municipalities. Like my name mm -hmm. is going to be out there. Um, so when I hear my name, it's like, that's my professional self. And Lindsay, you've had firsthand knowledge of this experience when my name gets dirtied. I cannot stand it, especially if it's a lie. If I screwed up, I'll own it. But if it's a lie, that's where I get feisty. But then with that, I try not to ever spread or create a lie about somebody else too. So you said two things there, and I want to hold on to both thoughts. One, I want you to yeah. To remember the thought that you said about um, your reaction, because we, I want to go back to, we got the other, though, you talked about our jobs and Patricia is a fellow educator. Mm -hmm. Teachers, we can be catty, 
We like to gossip and we'll talk about how somebody runs their classroom, about how admin is acting. And I have found that that is something I have to lock down. Like, I think I have established myself well enough at the school where I am, where they know don't come to me with gossip because Lindsay's in it. Bolton's in her own world and she's not the person to go to. Um, And my response to that is not my circus, not my monkey. What they do in their classroom, if it's not hurting children or what have you, that's their business. If they, if they want support or ask for help, I'm more than willing to come. But Patricia, do you find the same thing that in that educator realm, and I'm sure it's not just with educators, but I think there's so many of us in one space that it becomes really, really easy to breed negativity. Do you find that too at your school? Absolutely. And this is why you told me set your boundaries. If you don't set your boundaries, they're going to know that, oh, okay, McCray's room is the room I'm going to go in. And I'm going to talk about Mrs. So-and-so and and Mr. So-and-so and how they have no classroom management, this, that, and the other. But if you say, you know, hey, it's not my problem. You know, I'm dealing with my stuff. I'd rather not talk about that right now. They're going to know not to come to your classroom. Now, am I good at that? No, I'm not. I am the one that's going to sit and listen. Now, I may not say, oh, my gosh, girl. Yes, the classroom management is horrible, but I'm not going to shut it down either. So that's something I need to work on for sure. And the other... Go ahead, Mandy. I'm sorry. I was going to say that silence. Like, so when I hear someone dismissing somebody else, it's so difficult for me because you want to hold space and say, okay, you're venting right now, or especially Mm -hmm. if it's like a work relationship and you're like, okay, I'm holding that space for you. But I also don't want you to think that you have my buy-in just because I'm not telling you that you're wrong and I'm not sharing my opinion. It's that is, so I will reflect it back. Like, oh, I I see how that's your opinion. And that's, that's something that you're going to have to struggle through on, you know, like, like I word it in some way to reflect it back to them that just because I'm nodding my head does not mean I'm agreeing with you at all. Right. Because what bites me in the ass is that person, a who's now gossipy and just venting bullshit. Melinda and I were talking and she agrees with me, blah, 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 blah. Like now my name's in the circus. Damn it. Right. Like, so you try to cut that off with it, hold space, but let them know this is their thoughts sound bored back to them. You know, um, that's a big thing for me. Right. And the other thing that you were saying about your immediate response to somebody saying something (laughs) untrue, because she knows where this is going. So I see her face because we've had a couple situations where you would think that you would, I don't know, would you assume that I'm the feisty one out of the two? If you did, you're wrong because it is Melinda Jean that is the feisty one out of the two. And there have been, you believe it? There have been times where, I mean, when you're, when you're dealing with a group of women, like we did a large group of women, there's always going to be some kind of conflict. And our goal was to just set a standard and anybody that thought that we were with the drama and gossiping would kind of weed themselves out. And for the most part, it did happen where we didn't have to address anything. We didn't have to talk about anything. Things just kind of work themselves out because we kind of set a high standard of this is a group of acceptance, acceptance, inclusivity, 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 excuse me, et cetera. But there were times where it hit a head or it hit head and you may have gone off. <laughs> and we had that discussion about giving it 10 seconds, right? Not responding and mm-hmm. allowing ourselves a certain amount of time before responding to something. Is that a practice that either of you use now? Mandy, do you use that now where you give yourself a little bit of time before going forward? It is really hard because I'm so expressive. So if somebody's giving me feedback that's negative or false, that has been my life struggle to not convey. Instead, I have to, that's the author in my head too, that's talking. 
that um, is like, oh, okay, this is their opinion right now. None of this is true. None of this is fact. Hold space. Pull out the information that you need. Plan a course of action afterwards if any action needs to be taken. Like I literally have to coach myself through listening to people um, sharing their opinion about me where it's like, wait, what? And now that I'm a supervisor on top of it. So it's like, I'm all about, like, I want them to feel empowered. I want this to be good. Very, very similar to how we were with, um, when coaching women, right? It's very, very similar to that because you want to like give them the tools and then they're going to tell you, well, the tool you give me is broken. No, it's not. It's not broken. I gave you a perfectly good tool. You just don't know how to use it. Like that's defense is like my, my first reaction. So it's still hard to hear those things and to not respond because I'm so protective over myself. Um, and that's, that's who, that's who gets activated is the protector. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that's a big thing. Whether it's a true statement or a false statement, hearing things you don't want to hear is never going to be easy and it's going to be a lifelong challenge. Yeah. Yeah, Patricia, do you pause? Slowly. <laughs> I'm learning before. No, I have something to say. I'm not, I'm skipping the chain of command. I'm going straight to the top. <laughs> Yeah. No, ma'am. That's not how it works. Okay. You don't email the superintendent before you email oh, the principal. I remember that. Which I have done because I, I was in the heat of the moment. I remember that. Oh, yes. yeah. And you were like, oh, okay. You, you should have took a moment and thought about it. And mm -hmm. But no, I just went from zero to 60. I needed to say what I needed to say right then and there. Didn't take the time to think about it. And then afterwards, I thought, I probably shouldn't have handled it that way, to be honest. So I am learning. I am learning to take a minute, get my thoughts together. Who should I be addressing at this moment and go from there? So I am learning. I am learning. Full disclaimer, our Libra friend here for everyone watching has offered to both Patricia and I numerous times, write the email, send it to me. Let me look at it. We'll pull yes. out what we can pull out. Yes. And we, I have done it several times. Yeah, I will always be, I'll always be your, uh, your editor. I'm like, oh, girl, that sounds yeah. a little bored. That sounds Very a little spicy. Very about it, but she'll let you know. Mm, that might and not what's be crazy you want to say. Is I, my mother was like the queen of spice. Like I remember being out with her. She's going to kill me if I say this. I remember being out with her and if we were somewhere and somebody, and there are, you know, there are rude people everywhere. But I remember being at like retail stores or grocery stores where somebody would, would do something and I could see their, her eyes glaze over and her response was always money. It was intelligent. It was articulate. And it was, I could imagine those kids going or people going home and crying at the end of the day. And I always saw that. And at times, like, there was a little bit of, like, I was like, it, it makes you, I wanted to be like her, but I also wanted to... I was kind of, you know, there's a, not embarrassment. I don't know what it is. You didn't want that. You didn't want that highlight reflected on you. So I right. think it probably changed. And my mother's an Aries. Like we're, I'm a Libra. She's an Aries, opposite sides. Um, and she is all of the fire. My sister's the same thing, Aries too. Um, but it, I, I wanted to stand up for myself in the, in that way. But I also am so much, and maybe it's the Libra in me that I wanted to make sure that my words were heard, but it was done in a way that was a little bit softer. You know what I mean? I wanted to make my point known when somebody crosses me, but in a, in a softer way that was that people heard. Because it becomes really hard to hear somebody's words when there's harshness associated with it. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, you know, and I think that goes right, right down to the center of what uh, Riz was saying in the four agreements. It's the power of the word. Right. It's that. So your mom has that power. She has authority. When someone says something false about me, they took my power. If you know what I mean? Like if you can articulately say it in such a way, 
it's still that whole manipulation of using a power of words to get the result that you want. Maybe you either want them to correct their behavior or maybe you want to motivate them to change something. Right. So it's all our powers of words. So that's the thing. Like when I speak most of the time, it's because I want a result on the other end of it rather than am I just conveying my authentic self? Am I just conveying something that the universe wants to spread right through? That's I like that you use the word manipulation because words can be a pure form of manipulation. Now, I'm going to use that to segue into the way that we talk to ourselves because we can manipulate ourselves in the same way with the language that we use to talk to and about ourselves. And I love this portion of the book because, I mean, we've thought about it before, but he had so many good quotes in this book about the way that we speak to ourselves and um, the way that we accept. Um, And I think there was a portion where he said, your word can create the most beautiful dream or your word can destroy everything around you. Because what we say about ourselves, we inherently believe. So my question is, how do you talk to yourself? And how do you talk about yourself when you're, you know, when you're dealing with yourself? Depends on the situation, right? It totally depends on the situation. There are days when I'm feeling fierce. And I'm, I'm walking into this school today. I am going to be the best teacher there is. And there's days where I feel like an oompa loompa. And I put myself down from the beginning of the day until the end of the day. It really depends on the day. And I notice when I am positive, my day, no one can stop me. My day is fabulous. But when I walk in using negative words towards myself, my day reflects. It's not a good day for me. So Words are powerful. You can tell yourself you're going to have a good day. You'll have a good day. You can tell yourself it's going to be a miserable day. Guess what? It's going to be a miserable day. So it's words are powerful. And it just depends for me on the situation on how I speak to myself. So to speak with that, um, one of the quotes I had highlighted in here under the first agreement was, your opinion is nothing but your point of view. It is not necessarily true. Your opinion comes from your beliefs, your own ego, and your own dream. And so when I think of that, that's why my opinion changes so much, right? It's so influenced to my cycle and my work stress, right? It's going to, these variables are going to be in there. But the thing that's constant is the doubt, like some of those really deeper, that ego, some of that stuff that's in there, Mm -hmm. so that'll show up consistently. um, And so it's the pattern of it. Do you guys remember this? um, It's the, it's the old thing, like you're in a coffee shop, right? And it's really loud and there's lots of people, everyone's in there and you get your cup of coffee and someone bumps into you and your coffee spills out. Like, why? Why does, why does that happen? We normally say, why? Because someone bumped into you and it's like, no, coffee spilled because that's what was in the cup, right? Mm -hmm. So whatever's in your cup is what falls out. So Mm -hmm. if inside I'm chaos and I'm negative and I'm having these like negative thoughts and a negative narrative over overall, right? Then in times of stress, which chaos is going to happen, hectics, unplanned things, accidents, these things are going to happen constantly in our life. It's just, it's an accepted thing. How you react to them, what those thoughts are going to be, that's what comes out. So mine is typically, um, I will dig down on myself. It's like I have to drill sergeant my ass into getting the result that I want or, you know, just break it all down. So for me, that's kind of, and I go to that, it's like, oh, that's just my opinion. My opinion is like an asshole, right? Everybody's got one, that old statement. Um, But I'm trying to make sure that I have grace in my cup. I'm trying to fill it more with um, the results that I want, those feelings that I want and trying to alter my opinion. And that, that segues to something else, but I'll share that in a minute. Right. And it's the thought of like perception is everything, right? And I and one of my favorite 
phrases is that you have the power to create your own universe. And in the book, he talks about our words being a form of creativity. It's the biggest form of creativity you have, right? And if you utilize that to create something beautiful, then inherently you become what you create. Like we can create our lives to be a beautiful, magnificent fairy tale. It is the way that you talk about yourself. It's it's the way you talk about your surroundings. It's the way that you talk about the people that are around you. And it's the way that you think about yourself. The -hmm. only people that have the power to create that is us, right? And Mm -hmm. I love that. It's what you have in your cup is what comes out. So if I'm, like Mandy said, if I'm filled with negativity and I hate everything about my life and I keep saying that, my brain believes what I see. My brain believes what I say. And even if you're, it's not true in that moment, the more we say the the better things, the more it recreates the universe that we're in, right? Right. And the quote, I love this quote, your word is pure magic and the misuse of your word is black magic. Mm. So it's in your hands, the magic you want in those words. It can be black magic or it can be pure magic. You know what I'm saying? So you can walk in those doors at work or whatever and say, it's going to be a horrible day. There's your black magic. Or you can say, you know what? I had not a great morning, but I'm going to I'm going to reverse it and we're going to have a good day. And therefore you probably will have a good day. So you're the, you know, the I'm judger, from, the, the judger. That's yeah, not I'm going to pull from you, your thought, Patricia, of not having a great morning. And I'm going to reframe that because a lot oh. of times we assume or we, we hold on to the idea. Okay. My, my coffee maker wasn't working. I got up late. The kids yeah. were acting crazy. We, it's so easy to hone into the negativity. Flip it. Right. My car started. I'm on time. I was a little rushed, but I still look good. Like it's those little moments of flipping the narrative within your own head. And the way, again, that we speak to ourselves about situations that can really reframe that. I don't have bad mornings anymore. I don't have bad mornings anymore because there's something good about every moment, right? There is something inherently good about every single morning. So there are no more bad mornings, right? And that's just the way that we reframe the the way that we speak. Did you change? I admire that about you, Lindsay, my brain. And and this is something I just want to offer for some people. Like I don't, I have yet to achieve that level of being like, yeah, I don't have a bad morning. Instead mine's I'm more on the acceptance level. Like, ah, that fucking sucked. That was shit. (laughs) Okay. Move on. And like, you know, just like, I'm just in the acceptance phase. Like, oh, that's what's happening today. All right. Well, that would happen. Of course. (laughs) You know, like laughing it off humorous mind. So if I can accept yeah. it, kind of humor it and, and take it to the single moment, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's something that I do. And, and if I could share with you guys this idea, um, I was actually, I'll share the, the work some other time, but basically it's talking about how um, here we are, what <clears throat> middle of our lives, maybe, maybe just we're still in the beginning of our lives there, a couple <laughs> decades ago. By the time you get your shit together to figure it out, you're already halfway through your life. Right. But by the mm-hmm. time, like you're like, so if you think of it, it's kind of like trying to do a river rescue when you're already down the river floating and you're like, oh yeah, by the way, I needed that life jacket back there. Oh crap. I needed that over there. So you're already like, you're trying to project what you're going to be able to do in the future, but you're halfway through it. So that means in my opinion, it's, you know, Lindsay, it goes back to those beliefs you're talking about, right? A belief comes from a thought that's repeated over mm-hmm. and over and over and over. And many of our beliefs, which he talks about in the book as well is, it's their agreements that we accepted because we were taught, you know, so you have a lot of these behaviors. Where do we learn our negative narratives from, right? A lot of it could be from mentors, teachers, TV, family. Parents. 
right. right, right. If you see your mom standing on the scale and she's like, oh, I'm so fat. Or if you had that uncle that's like, oh, well, those are childbearing gifts, right? Like these, these things that are grooming you to make you, to like lead you to believing that at some point in time you come in your life and you're like, mm, I don't, when you get this book, you're like, I don't have to agree to that anymore. Right. I'm abandoning that, right? But you still have that foundation where you're halfway through your life trying to understand these things. And now you got to reverse engineer all of it. And so for Lindsay, you've gotten to this awesome lover where you're like, I can find, I'm, I'm being positive. Like I'm going to say, my cup broke. That's okay. I got another one. Oh, this one's special too, right? Like you can find the good in it. And for me, I'm at what I call the neutralized phase. So some affirmations, and I know it goes to that positive. Some people can say affirmations like, I'm beautiful. I own the world. I'm going to speak to the truth, the things I want to come. It doesn't work for me because the moment I say that, I've got the 5,000 narratives behind it saying how that's not going to happen. This, this voice is so much stronger. So instead, like, let's say it's a body positivity. I can't say, oh, you're voluptuous and sexy girl. Mm -mm. That doesn't work for me. I say, I've got a human body. I have four babies. Like, I have to make neutralized statements mm -hmm. but, and slowly inch my way to the affirmation that builds me, doesn't break me. Now, Mandy, okay. is affirmations and manifesting... Are they two totally different things for you or do you think they're in the same realm? Two different things. Okay. So you're okay with manifesting. Yeah. Affirmations, but affirmations like, is hard for you. Yeah. Like, so affirmation is like, I believe in this. This is now fact. And manifesting mm -hmm. is I'm going to bring this into, like when I plant that seed and water it, I know it's going to grow into something. Whereas affirmation is it's I'm affirming this is what I am right now. And so because I don't feel like I'm this, gorgeous vixen on a bad day right i don't feel that so it's hard to affirm that that's what i am if i don't believe that's what i am so i go to gotcha. those neutralized statements right and maybe you really brought up like the whole premise of the book right is the thought of everything in our life what we believe about beauty right if we look at ourselves in a mirror and then we assume that our butt is too big that is we've agreed on what beauty is based yep. on outside surroundings. So in our heads, we're like, well, I don't really fit the narrative of what beauty is. Who says? You just made that agreement that beauty is slim and beauty is lighter complexion and beauty is long hair. You don't have to make that agreement anymore. And I think when you start to, if you really get into the book and you start to let go of all of the agreements that you've made over and over in your life, you realize that you're holding on to thoughts that you don't necessarily believe in. And if you don't believe in them, let them go. And the minute you can let those go, you can start seeing yourself in a different light. Okay, my body is my body. This is my shell. I'm going to take care of it because I was blessed with a healthy shell, right? But beauty has nothing to do with what this is. That's just an agreed upon notion of what it should look like when I look in the mirror, right? And I think people don't understand that agreements aren't, they don't have to be for a lifetime. You can recreate the agreement. So. You know, maybe before you thought having a voluptuous body wasn't sexy, but look, here we are. Everyone's getting BBLs and this, this that, and the other. <laughs> you know what? It's being recreated. You know what I right. mean? And you can do that for yourself, which is very important. You don't have to stick with the same agreement for the rest of your life. You know right. what I mean? And then one of the last episodes I did, The Lies We Tell, I talked a little bit about neuroplasticity in the brain, right? And how you can recreate habits. And I think the same is with thoughts and the way that we talk to ourselves. If you are used to talking to yourself in a negative way, then your brain starts to believe it and shows you things that are true, right? And the same works for positive thinking and the way that you see yourself. Is my body the way that I want it? 
Not 100%, right? I prefer to look more athletic. I prefer maybe to to lose a couple of pounds, whatever. But if I keep telling myself, oh, Lindsay, I am so proud of how you are developing. I am so proud of what you're capable of. I love the way that your hips like are in line. After some point, even if you don't believe it, you say it enough, your brain looks for it to be true. And it looks to prove that to you over and over and over again. So in the same sense of recreating your habit, you can recreate your thought chain. You know, you can recreate the way you talk to yourself, the way that you talk to other people and kind of redevelop yourself as a better version of yourself. Just, just here, you know? Mel Robbins, I want to say, was her Mm -hmm. name. Um, She wrote a book and it was the, she had two. One was like really, really popular, went out there. And the second was during COVID and she was like having a hard ass time getting her ass out of the bed. And how am I going to yeah. make another book? Anyway, so she goes on to share about this. But as she was coming up with a new thought, she started high-fiving herself in the mirror. So when you're trying to come up with a new thought, if you put a physical action with that thought, it actually helps anchor that new pathway, if you will. So it's like the equivalent, if you're like, blazing a new trail and you walk just on that yeah the grass will probably grow over where your feet are but you just go ahead and start whacking that and doing something physical along the way it's going to help your brain recreate that path and keep going so like everything from like remember like when we have to write uh memorize teachers you guys know this when we're memorizing right they say walk up to a certain direction right or, or like you clap the abcs or you do like a physical thing it helps that mind connect those two things together um so it's kind of the same idea i think if you're trying to introduce a new uh, agreement or new thought mm-hmm. like for me that I don't necessarily <laughs> <So> have <laughs> yes. either of you ever stood in the mirror and done that self eye to eye conversation where you're talking to yourself while looking at yourself like eye to eye oh yeah I'll be honest I have never done that. it's hard it's really hard <laughs> oh me and my mirror reflection have lots of conversations Patricia I have my conversations with other people what I would say to them and I look <laughs> oh, at myself yes. to do that I think mm-hmm. in some aspects, I think a lot of us, if you look at uh, people's videos on social media, right? Mm-hmm. It's a mirror image of yourself. When we Marco, I sometimes can't look at our Marcos because I feel like I'm just talking to myself and I look like a ding dong. <laughs> right? so I say, you know, we're just, we're going to make this audible and you guys can see the side of my face. Otherwise I get lost down a rabbit hole. But yeah, mm-hmm. I do. I, I do too, but I will admit, so, you know, I can record, but I never look at myself in my eyes when I do it. You know what I mean? Like I'll find different facets. Like I may look at this cheekbone or I may look at my teeth, but I'm never like eye to eye. So I challenge you both to like later on in the mirror, Mm -hmm. eye to eye, you have to look at yourself in the eyes and tell yourself these positive things about yourself. And the last, oh, sorry, real quick. As you Uh said, you don't look eye to eye. This whole recording, I've been looking either at you or Mandy. I have not looked (laughs) in that camera to make eye contact with myself. (laughs) I'll tell you, I will say like, the one thing about recording, because I have my camera up here, I look at you guys. So when this, if this is on YouTube, like it looks like I'm looking randomly, but I want to make sure that I'm making eye contact with you guys and not looking in. So now I'm looking into my camera, but right. just so you know, I'm looking at my girls. That's what I'm looking at. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But the last part I want to talk about is how well do you accept positive things from other people? How well, well not do you well at accept all. the compliment? Do you, is your language in line when it comes to accepting compliments in positive words? Nope. I flip it right <laughs> to them. Your, your outfit looks nice. Girl, your outfit looks nice. Your hair's so pretty. So is yours. I never say thank you. I 
deflect the, the compliment back to that person. I've done it for years. I, I don't know. I just, they don't Why is it hard for you just to accept it and say, thanks. I appreciate it. I do feel nice today. Because I think it makes me look conceited mm. or that, I don't know. I don't, I think it makes me look conceited if I accept that compliment. What about you, Mandy? Um, so I've experimented with this. <laughs> And it's really funny. So two parts. One, I had to do some of my own bias searching. And I realized I don't accept surface compliments because when I give them, I don't mean them. So I'm mm. assuming that when I, it's given to me, I, it's probably, it probably doesn't mean anything because it's what I give, right? So if I'm like, oh, it's nice. It's just making casual conversation. So it doesn't really have a lot of value. And when someone gives them to me, I'm like, oh, thanks. It's no different than someone saying good morning to me because that's how casually I'll give out compliments. And not that they're not meaningful, but they're just, it's casual, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I don't really give them much value. And if, if I do hear a compliment, usually it's my internal bias where they're like, oh, I love those shoes, right? It's like, if it's something that's really, really meaningful to me and I want to make it mean more than what I would have meant. That, that's where I'm working on, right? So I've got my own little mm -hmm. bias there. And then you have the uh, the second level one, right? Like I said, I experimented. <laughs> I did this with, I've done this multiple times now. When someone will give me a compliment, I'm like, I know, right? <laughs> I've done that too. It does not go over well. Like, like seriously, like I've had, a, okay. you know, a man, like a partner, whoever, like compliment me. And then I feel fine. I feel sexy and he will say something nice. And I'm going to, I'm going to accept. And I say, you know what I do. And he did not like that response. So it's like, are you supposed to not, you're supposed to take the accept compliment, just say smile pretty and say, okay, like what is wrong with saying you damn right. I do look fine. Like, why is that a wrong? accepted the compliment. So what's right. the problem, right? Well, you have to accept it in the right. And this goes to that whole, like, uh, I think that's a woman. Like men don't want you. We have to be modest. We have to, we can accept it. We have, to, we, we accept it, but we must do it in a polite and modest right. way. I don't want to do that anymore. Mm -mm. I no. want to claim it. <laughs> you know? I know. I'm fine. I'm fine. And I know right. what you do. <laughs> That's okay, my response well, from there on. You're damn right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's really funny. And like, and I know it's not totally on the four agreements thing, but I, I do want to share with you something that uh, that showed up for me, right? So typically with my my dear love of my life, if I'm like, I know, right? Usually gets like a smack on the ass for that. Like I get like, a, I know, right? And then like he feeds into that. So mm -hmm. he usually passes my my science test there. Um, it's other people in the public that's like, whoa, arrogant much, you know? Or mm -hmm. like, I usually get like a laugh or something in response. And so I'm like, oh, whatever that's fine. Like I just move it on. Um, I kind of put their opinions is not really important to me anymore. I file them away. Right. Good. Um, and I'm also in a season two that like, I really don't want outside input to have as much meaning to me as internal input. So that's great. If someone validates like, Oh, this is a great project. It's like, yeah, I know. I already know that. I don't need you to tell me that I know that just give me the pay raise. That's all I need. That's all you need. Right. It's exactly. Right. So Will and I were out and I was wearing your adorable, the, uh, it was like the one of the shirts uh, that you can find on Hyundai. You, I was wearing Thank that you one. Thank you very much for the plug. <laughs> but it had, um, and it, I had like my hot pink pants. It is highway. I looked all cute, mm -hmm. okay. And so walking down the street and looking good, and we start hearing this like really loud semi truck like honks. And we're in a small little town, and I don't really pay no mind to it. I figure someone's like not going at the light. And then we hear it aggressively again. And this guy is in like a drive, like delivery truck. And he is shouting at me, girl, you look good. Oh my God, damn, damn. Like, I'm like, wait, two hands. What's driving right now, right? <laughs> and 
my immediate reaction was to look at my husband and want to apologize for dressing in such a manner that garnered that kind of attention. That was my, no. immediately showed up. And then what I immediately needed him to do was to tell me it's not your fault. You're beautiful. I needed like his validation, his approval. I needed him to smack it and own it. I needed him to do something that like would release my guilt of getting attention that was disrespectful to him because he's my guy. Right? I'm with him, obviously. How dare someone say something that's so disrespectful to him? And I brought that on. It was wow. a whole thing that showed up. And had I been by myself, I would have been like, I know, right? <laughs> but with your partner, it's a different. It was a different thing. And so we had like a really fun conversation exploring that and like being able to see outside of ourselves, And and it played exactly to his own thought of like, well, well, that was so disrespectful to me. Like you obviously see I'm with her exactly what I thought kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't that he thought I should feel any shame or any kind of way. It just And I was like, oh, you wouldn't even last a day as a woman because I get that <laughs> shit all the time. Heaven forbid I look cute, right? And so then you're stuck on that whole woman thing. Do I do I accept this compliment? Is that a compliment I want to accept? You know, is this appropriate behavior? But uh, but it's it goes into that internal dialogue and what was allowed, what's not allowed, and and those agreements that I don't know when I ever agreed to them, but I find yeah. myself playing by those rules. Like where and that's so interesting. Off? Yeah, that's what I was like. That was what I was thinking. Is I wonder. It's so interesting to find what comes up internally in those moments and then you have to trace them back and you in your own past and say at what point in my life did I feel like acknowledging or somebody else saying something to me is now disrespectful to someone else right you have no control over that like at what point it's just really interesting again the agreements we've made about what's acceptable what's not acceptable the way that we respond or should respond to other people the way that we have to be modest in our own thank yous for compliments it's just mm-hmm. yeah i don't necessarily i don't want to own any of those things. I don't want to take the emotions or the behavior of other people and put them onto myself, right? I have an option whether to accept a compliment or ignore someone that acts, you know, in that, in that sense that he, he was wrong for, for hollering at you in front of your, your husband. Right. But Um, you don't want to take on that. I'm not taking ownership of his behavior. Right. And as women, I think that we tend to take ownership of other people's behavior and we do so we not only take ownership of their behavior, we then take ownership that we have to have the perfect response in response to their behavior, which is so, oh, that's a lot for one person to put on in their psyche and their mentality. That's mm-hmm. what showed up that day was, wait, I don't want to be in a marriage where the guy next to me is not confident in our relationship and I'm seen as property. Like, you're mine. He mm-hmm. shouldn't talk to you that way. Wait, 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 wait. Right. Whoa. Actually, I'm my own. I'm amazing. My market value just skyrocketed. Right. I'm really glad that you live here. And then side <laughs> you didn't note, ask for I, that compliment that just right. came flying out of the car. So, right. and I do wonder what that what came up for your your husband in those moments. Not just the disrespect, but also how am I supposed to be masculine in those moments, right? right. Am I supposed to yell something back at him? Am I supposed to get mad and and beat my chest because this is my woman? Like. So many things that both of us have to deal with in those moments, like the expectation of what a man is supposed to do to defend his woman yeah. and what he's supposed to say in those moments, in addition to how you were feeling. That's a, so yeah. small circumstances, but big things around them, you know? And he probably and was exactly. just as uncomfortable as you were, man. Mm-hmm. To be honest, he probably oh, was yeah, like, he well, was. what do I do? Like, do I just right. stand here? Do I say <laughs> something? If you're married to an alpha, that's like, I don't need protection. I don't need <laughs> You know, like. They steal the truck. <laughs> jumps on the truck (laughs) i mean and i think a lot of it doesn't it go back to and i think he speaks to it in his book about intent so when we talk about our language what is the intent like 
when I go to gossiping, I might be gossiping because I'm sharing about something is my like, Lindsay, I'll come to you often because I know that you're so even keel. And then I also follow the rule, like don't crap in your backyard. Like I'm not <laughs> going to complain about work stuff at work because that's my backyard. Like right. we're going to go to some other circle, especially if I need. And typically my intent is I don't know how to dissect this. Right. I don't know where to put this. And I'm an external processor. It's got to come out. Otherwise it's data that's going to stay inside and keep like computing. You know what I mean? And so that's the thing too, is like the intent. So a lot of times I'm very lucky to have a group of amazing women that support me that don't look at me negatively just because I'm talking smack about mm-hmm. somebody or even my spouse. They won't let that be a reflection of him. They completely understand me and support me like, Ooh, Melinda's unpacking this. Let's help her unpack this. Right. That's right. the importance of the tribe too, is the intent behind the language is I want to fix this and I don't know how. <laughs> right. Right. Good. You but guys I are so vulnerable enough to come to us and you know i'm so appreciative of you both one i think i have the ability i'm lucky that i get to unpack so much of my own mental crazy and chaos with you two you guys are typically my go-to's for any of my big life events and um we are all like mandy and i said last episode that she was on with me we're all so inherently different but those moments and those parts of our personality mesh so well because we add aspects that we wouldn't necessarily think of on our own. Um, And I'm just so beyond appreciative of both of you. And I am so thankful that y'all came on and chatted with me with this episode today. And I can't wait for the next one. Mm, mm, mm. So I had a blast. This I was so nervous. I'm gonna be honest. The time just flew by. I'm like, this is so fun. It's it's like when you treat it like a conversation, people they will either love or hate us because we are really ourselves. Who who you see here is 100 percent who you get. But I have to tell you, Mindy, I've had people like I want to meet her. I want to meet her. I'm like, she's coming out. You know, she's going to come up soon. They're like, we should all go here and there. Cause they, I mean, and I feel like they're going to say the same, same thing about you, Patricia. They, if people understand my energy, (laughs) if folks get my energy, I am the way I am because I've got amazing women that surround me like these two. And if, if you're not getting the concept of really community and women, this is what I mean. This right here. I love you both to the moon and to close up remember ladies that you i'm gonna look at the camera for this one you are inherently worthy regardless of what you do where you go who you are with you are inherently worthy remember that in the way that you speak to others and especially in the way that you speak to yourself we love you and we'll see you later bye bye and stop ah made it